podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. I, I got, got 99 problems, problems, but a bitch ain't one. I got the rap patrol on the cat patrol. Foes that want to make sure my cask is closed. Rap critics save money, cash holes. I'm from the hood, stupid. What type of facts are those? If you grew up with holes in your zap toes, you celebrate the minute you was having dope. I'm like, fuck critics, you can kiss my whole asshole. If you don't like my lyrics, you can press fast forward. Got beef with radio, if I don't play they show, they don't play my hits. Hello everyone, it's a new week and that means it's time for a new gig pod. Yes, it's episode 126 with me, Stevie, and my joyous pod partner, Rizzo, as we generally discuss Dundee United now, Celtic 9, that's Dundee United now, Celtic 9, for the next half hour, as well as tell you what's planned for this week and beyond. John, once again, are you ready to wax lyrical about Celtic FC? Uh, hello, everyone. Hi, Stevie. Of course, I'm in. You should have said, actually, Dungeon United now, Celtic 9, brackets, N-I-N-E, close brackets, like they used to do on the video printers. In fact, I don't know if they still do it, but aye, it was a, a sensational performance for Celtic. Before the match, big talking points where Leela Labada came in, as did Carol Starfelt. Starfelt wasn't really the controversial uh, inclusion because Moritz Jens, as much as he's been playing well, the manager really likes Carl Starfelt. The Abada and Maeda one got a lot of people talking. Dyson and Maeda in the last couple of games had weighed in with the assists. I think he had three in two games. Two against Kilmarnock, one against Hearts. We forgot to mention that uh, Rio Hattati came back at the team as well, uh, instead of David Tumble, which was the right call then, because I thought Hattati was excellent. The only reason I didn't mention that was because, you know, it was common sense. You were actually getting a better player in the midfield. Well, that's true, that's true. Back to Abada versus uh, Dyson. I was a little bit surprised because we know that the manager absolutely loves uh, Dyson and he picks him practically all the time. So in a way, I suppose it was a bit of a surprise, but it worked because I thought that Abada had probably the best game for Celtic. Well, statistically, as his best game for Celtic. And no, it just shows again that whenever he comes up with a surprise... Ange Postacolo usually always works. The only time it didn't was against the uh, Bodo Glimp in the Europa League, or Europa Conference rather, when we played a ridiculous midfield that will never happen again. But no, I suppose it was a surprise, but it turned out right in the end. And I wasn't surprised to see Carol Starfield back because I thought that as soon as he had some game time under his belt, he'd be back in the team. And even though Morris Jensen has played well, and Stephen Wilkes played well when he was in the team, I think it'll be Starfield and CCV to be the first choice for now on. Maybe not Wednesday, but I mean, every other game, I'll be there too. So going into this match, Dundee United were in a horrific run after the heroics against AZ Alkmaar. The results, I mean, they get beat 1-0 off Livingston at home. They get thrashed 7-0 in Holland. They then lost 4-1 to Hearts and went down 3-0 the other week against St. Mirren. It actually could have been more than three. Honestly, it wouldn't have been a surprise if it ended up like five or six when I saw the highlights of that game. So get into this one. You know what it's like, John, like that whole wounded animal thing and teams are very funny when they've got so much to prove and they don't want to get hiding in front of their fans. I expected Hannadice to be packed. I thought their fans would make a lot of noise for them. They'd really raise their game. I mean, last season, I know we beat them 3-0 uh, twice, but that game in May... It wasn't a walkover at all. We drew one each, and in the end, we were thankful for the point. And Tannadice was fairly rocking that night. Now, getting into this one, Dundee United and their fans, 
they just seem so muted. There were so many empty seats. I think that's probably an indicator of where they feel they are under Jack Rosser now. Like before the game um, and before I seen just how much a lack of atmosphere there was among Dundee United fans, I thought it was going to be a tricky game. I thought we'd win, but I never thought it was going to be like the shoeing that it actually was. Was there any part of you whatsoever there, John, getting into that game where you thought this could be a tricky encounter, despite the fact that Jack Shit Ross is the Dundee United manager, a manager that we have pillared on here for ages because we don't actually think he's any good regardless, <laughs> did not think it was going to be anything like that. And that's a shoot. I mean, I was saying to you beforehand that get into the game, we'll win, but I think it'll be a narrow, uh, tricky one for us. Well, somebody we, somebody we both know won't be very happy that we're getting jack shit Ross pelters, but there you go. Uh, no, I mean, I thought we'd win, but Dungeon United really are poor. And get into the season, I was talking, I was talking to some uh, fans Unbelievably enough, in a group chat with some fans at other clubs, sadly I'm the only Celtic fan, and we all thought that Dungeon United would be top six fairly comfortably. And I don't want to listen to Dungeon United podcast, but it did look to sign some good players like Dylan Levitt. I know a lot of people think that Celtic should look at him. Stephen Fletcher is a decent player. And they were good against AZ Adama on the first leg, but that 7-0 defeat they got just must absolutely destroyed their confidence. I mean, that can happen to teams when they suffer such horrendous defeats. I mean, you need to be a good team to come back for that. I mean, whenever Celtic have had terrible defeats, we've usually bounced back, but that's just in the nature of a club at Celtic, where if you don't win one game, you need to win the next game, or panic's on. So I really think that, I mean, I know Jack Shitross isn't he, I don't think really that good a manager, but I was really shocked at the way they just completely capitulated. I mean, okay, a lot of it was doing how good Celtic were, and I thought we were brilliant. But it wasn't like we were playing, I don't know, like who are the teams we've beat by like eight or nine in the past? Hamilton. And I mean, okay, Hamilton have got the reputation of being a sort of diddy team. And like where they are now, like mid-table in the championships, where they probably belong. I mean, Dungeon United finished top six last season. They were undefeated at home against Rangers last season. Drew with us twice in the league. I mean, okay, we did beat them 3-0 twice, but the way they've just fell, fell apart in, a, in this space of a month is just unbelievable, and I really am surprised that Jack Ross is still the manager, because I definitely thought that I was listening, I watched obviously the game, and I watched the post-match as well, there was no interview with Jack Ross, and then something I was saying on the radio that he was listening on the radio that there wasn't a post-match interview, and I thought, oh, well, he'll get the sack then, but no, he's still there. But no, as as we both said, we both expected Celtic to win. I thought it'd be like two or three nothing. And well, I mean, Dungeon United actually done okay-ish for like the first half of an hour. They did have that shot off the post. But no, I was surprised at how they just completely fell apart the way they did. They were scored nine and really should have scored double figures, which would have been just amazing. But no, I thought we'd win, but no way did I expect nine nothing. Now another team we beat was Aberdeen. We beat them nine now uh, in two thousand and ten. I think in that game we scored two penalties as well. No, three. Anthony Stoltz scored two penalties. And Paddy McCourt rounded off the score with a penalty. Of course, Celtic this season. We've not had any penalties, John, and we continue to get no penalties as it was nine goals from outfield play. See, after that Aberdeen game, when we beat them 9 now, they lost, I think it was, five more in the bounce. We beat them in, like, early November 2010. They'd never won again until Boxing Day 2010 where I think they beat Hibs away. So I can see a similar run for Dundee United, you know, if they don't 
bring in a couple of more players or really if they don't change their manager you you were right I mean you're talking about how good Celtic were but they were they were absolutely unreal the first half alone we were just talking to each other during the game it was like any time we were going forward it was with so much purpose and intent wasn't it and I just felt real Hitati John when he's in that team and he's firing on all cylinders and he's fully fit what a player we've got there and we were texting yesterday We'll talk about Kyogo, we'll talk about O'Reilly, we'll talk about Jota, we'll talk about Abada, but if we can just start on real Hitati, he dominated that midfield yesterday. I believe he weighed in with one assist as well, but it was so important to the way we played, and if we've got Hitati playing like that, most weeks, I think we can be very comfortable, and we can be very confident in Celtic picking up three points, and probably making sure that the league comes back to Celtic Park again. Aye, that's the real Hitati that we all want to see, the, the guy that Started his career off at Celtic so unbelievably. I mean, with the goals against Hearts and Rangers. He did tail off a bit towards the end of last season, but I think that's because he was knackered. We've talked about that before. And I mean, he got that bad injury at the start of this season when he get a bad challenge against him against Aberdeen, which obviously the referee uh, just ignored. But I thought he was excellent. I mean, he had one assist. He had a brilliant dummy for one of the goals as well. I think it was in Kyogo's hat trick. It's funny, I know, because I did text you when it was one nothing, saying, I don't know, the midfield isn't really clicking enough. And then we went and scored another eight goals. So that shows what I know about football, right, lads? But no, Rio Hattati was brilliant. I mean, obviously, he was never going to get man of the match. It was always going to be uh, Leal Abada or Kyogo, and it was Leal Abada. But no, I thought it was brilliant. And Selig are a much better team when he's in good form. And as you say if he can continue keeping that level of performance up, if he can stay fit, then it will go a long way towards Celtic winning the league and getting decent results in the Champions League. But yeah, John, speaking of Matt O'Reilly, what a performance yesterday. And again, we were talking about O'Reilly, how we obviously rate him as a player and there'd been some transfer speculation that you wanted to bring up on this podcast about him. He's been getting into the right positions, but he's just not added numbers to his game. Did yesterday. What a ball into Abada, who put it across for Kyogo for his hat-trick. And then he assisted Jota to make it four. Uh, and then he assisted Abada for the fifth goal. Some brilliant football yesterday, and Matt O'Reilly was at the heart of it. If we've got guys like Hatati and O'Reilly clicking again, it's just happening at such a good time, isn't it? It's happening at the right time before these big games we've got, especially starting next weekend. The way that Hatati and O'Reilly... Were just linking up with each other and interchanging positions, and they were just so smart and creative on the ball, and they had such a high output. Reminded me a lot of their performances individually and together against Rangers in that 3 0 game. And do you know what I noticed as well, John? I think the reason that we get so much joy is Dundee United, a lot like Rangers that game in February last uh, season, the 3 0 match. Dundee United stupidly went toe to toe us in a 4 3 3. And I don't know what Jack Ross is thinking because when we've got players like that and you go in a 4-3-3 toe-to-toe against us, it ain't going to work. And we were just devastating yesterday and we punished him. And Matt O'Reilly was just crucial in it all. It's funny that he's getting all the attention in the press. And I think these actually probably will be true. I don't think it's the usual, oh, we're playing Rangers on Sunday, so let's uh, put all the stories out about how he's going to leave. Because they're not on the Daily Record they're in, like, they're in like real websites like ESPN. I mean, I think he is in demand, and I think he's a great player, but I mean, I'm a bit surprised that he's the guy that's been linked to a move. I'm I'm surprised and glad that maybe guys like Abada and Kyogo have been linked to moves, and hopefully they won't be. And 
I just want to briefly say, I mean, I do actually think that somebody might bid for O'Reilly, but I don't think we'll sell him because I think that'd just be stupid. We've got so many big games coming up. I don't think he'd want to leave the now anyway. I mean, this time next week, he'll be getting ready to play the Champions of Europe. I think that is a big pull, playing in the Champions League for players, especially if like players I want, if we want to sign a player in the next uh, three days, we can just say to them, you can get in the squad to play against Real Madrid. So I think we might get a bid for O'Reilly, and I think it'll be a, a quite a, a substantial bid, but I really don't think we'll sell him there now. I think if anybody does leave, and I hope they do, it'll be like fringe players like Ajeti and uh, Mikey Johnson. But I wouldn't shock me if one of our big players, well, Matt O'Reilly really does get a bid put in for him, but I think we'll turn it down. If any major happens in the transfer window, we'll do a pod about that eh, towards the end of the week. Of course, but me and you were just saying, weren't we, before we did this, can't really see any major deals being done, but you never know if Celtic are involved in the transfer market in the last day, and there is some major ins and there's some major outs. We'll cover it and we'll do a wee show on it. This is something you were saying a couple of weeks ago. Kyogo is the closest striker that we've got to Henry Larson, and he could very well end up being this generation's Henry Larson. Um, again, there's a lot of pressure to put on the guy. In general, the way that all three of the goals were scored, it was Larson-esque, and a lot of people were saying that yesterday too. Notice saying that you're a trendsetter or anything, John, but they were. There was a lot of comparisons with it, and it was the first time that I would really say that I've only seen a handful of comments before with Kyogo and Larson, but when I did look in social media, there was many, many people saying it. Well, I think I'm a trendsetter, so thanks to everybody for recognising that I was right, and Hugo is the closest thing to Henry Larson we've had since we had Larson at the club. That second goal especially was very like Larson. I mean, just the instinctive finish. He knew where the goal he was, he knew where he plays. It was a genius goal, really. And I suppose, I don't think he'll ever eclipse Henry Larson. I mean, Larson was a once-in-a-generation player. I think he's the the third or fourth top scorer in Celtic's history. I mean, Hugo isn't going to reach that level. I mean, I don't think Hugo play enough games anyway. I mean, he's substituted practically every game. That really didn't happen with Henrik a lot. No, I take away, obviously, for Hugo. I think it's smart to sort of keep him fresh. But no, I thought it was phenomenal. That that goal that he scored, that second one, was really amazing. It reminded me of Henrik Larson goal, you might remember. I mean, Henrik wasn't the first time, but we beat Dungeon United 5-1 in, I think, 2003. Uh... And Larson scored twice. I think Chris Sutton scored a hat-trick as well. Uh, Larson got into a dispute with Billy Dodds during the game. And they, just, and they squared up to each other. And right after it, Larson was pissed off and scored this brilliant goal for like 30 yards out. And I remember that game because I went to it in the morning and I went to see the great band Blur the same night. There you go, fact fans. Would you remember that goal, the one against Dungeon United at Tannadice in 2003? I don't, John. I guess you could say it was a bluff for me. Jeez, oh, that's drum symbol crash. No, but uh, I think Sisson scored a penalty as well. And, he hit, and uh, I think Larson scored one that was a tapping for like a yard out after Sutton hit the bar all the other way around. But no, that was a goal that really reminded me of that one. And I really think Hugo is Larson-esque. He just has to... Obviously, he's not done it in Europe yet because... Well, actually, that's no fair. He has done it in Europe. I mean, he's not done it in the biggest stage in Europe yet, and we'll get that chance next week. And he's really not had a good game against Rangers yet, mostly due to fitness. And 
he's got a chance to write that obviously at the weekend, but I really do think he is really reminding me of Henry Larson. I mean, I don't think he will reach that level, but he's certainly up there and he's the best cycle we've had at Celtic for years and teams just kind of cope with him, how clever his movement is, but he like starts it offside and he runs back and I think that's something to look out for uh, in the next couple of games, how many offsides we get that are uh, honest mistakes, of course, by the assistant referees when he looks to be, he'll probably be honest, then he'll get given offside, but because uh, his movement's just so quick, he's so smart, but no, it really has made me be a last and that was a great, great, great performance. Running out of praise for him here. That's how good he was. You said you're a trendsetter as well. Can I just also say, John, and you can back me up. Did you see my tweet where I did say yesterday Dundee United goalies are so terrible and we should be shooting for range against them? In fact, I'm going to give you credit too. You said on this podcast a couple of weeks ago with Dundee United's goalies that guys like Jota should be hitting digs the way he did against Aberdeen and against Kilmarnock, and I backed you up on that by saying that I honestly felt, watching Dundee United's goalies in the past couple of weeks, that we were going to get a goal for range. So, John, I'm not going to take all the glory. I guess you could say that this podcast truly is one of the accurate greats. We were both right. <laughs> we were. <laughs> I know we're not talking about Dundee United, but their goalies are horrendous. They've managed to get two terrible goalies. It's a remarkable achievement, and... I know that your man JJ scored his first goal for outfield play with a free kick. Well, no, it was the second attempt after the first one hit a Celtic player. But I thought the goal could have done better there. I mean, obviously, I'm happy they never. But their goalies are horrendous. If they don't sell that out, they will get relegated. But no, JJ, what did you make of him scoring his first goal for outfield for the hoops? Loved it. However, I do have to say, at the same time, speaking about their goalkeepers... If that's like Joe Hart conceding a goal to that, I am fuming. It was a fine strike, shall we say, but I thought he'd get fortunate because a better goalie probably holds that or palms it away. JJ, as a man, I would never criticise John, so I will now just say in this podcast it was probably the goal of the season of the night. <laughs> Moving away from my bias, Jota and Abada as well. I have to say I put out a tweet in the Gigpod account, and I think I said yesterday that Jota had eight assists last season. In the league, he actually had 11. Sorry, everybody, I actually got that one wrong. Amazingly enough, I do make mistakes. So I, he had 11 assists last season in the league. This season, he's now got four. He played that brilliant pass to Kyogo for the opener. He was also heavily involved with some amazing passes to O'Reilly and Hatati for their assists yesterday. And he got in the score sheet too. John, Jota is another player that is just in form big time right now and you've got to imagine him getting into games against Rangers and against Real Madrid. We've got all these players, John, in amazing form, getting into key games and Abada as well, if we can talk about him. He was a man in the match yesterday. You're talking about Kyogo's hat-trick and it was some first-half performance, but Abada with his hat-trick, brilliant wee dink finish for the last goal, which I hope hasn't forgotten about because that was actually Larson-esque as well and he also weighed in wait, a couple of assists. Day two wide players we've got to now. Exquisite. Brilliant to watch this team. No, it's great to watch one of the best Celtic teams in a long time. Uh, I'm really struggling to think of a team that we've had in recent years that's played as well. I don't know, maybe maybe Brendan Rodgers' first team, first season, or maybe even, dare we mention, uh, Lenny's last good season in Charles before the pandemic when we were on that winning run in January and February there was some great football in that run but this is a completely different 
level of football for Ange and the team. They just look like they could demolish teams at times. And the thing is, we can we can also win when we're not playing well. I mean, if you look at that Hearts game last week, I don't think we played well at all, and you didn't think we played well either. But we still managed to grind out a win. We managed to play brilliant, you know, at Kilmarnock and even better at Tannadice. And I think that's a sign of a good team that they can win when they're not playing well. The Ross County game as well. The Ross County game was an example of no playing well, but grinding out a win. Look, we scored two in the last five minutes. So this team is capable of winning games that are tough, but they're capable of giving teams a hammering as well. And that just shows how good the team is. And everybody's doing well now. Nobody's like sort of playing poorly. And you've got to imagine that they've got loads and loads of confidence for this week. I mean, Ross County in the League Cup, I know that's probably not the biggest game, but it'll probably be difficult. And Andrew wanting to keep the momentum going. And then, of course, we've got Rangers next weekend, which is going to be huge. And then, I mean, a week tomorrow, we're playing Real Madrid. So, very exciting. The new Celtic and Ange and the players deserve loads and loads of credit because they're really playing at a level that is even better than last season. And last season, I thought we were excellent in the way we recovered from a poor start to win the title. And a lot of people did say that Ange's teams would get better in their second season. And that's the proof of it so far this season. I mean, I know there's difficult games to come, but... You've got to be confident that domestically, at least, Selic should be able to win most of their games. Europe will probably be a different story, but I don't know, maybe Europe won't be a disgrace that we were all concerned about. I mean, before the draw, I mean, it's a decent draw, and Selic should go, to their game, go into their games with nothing to lose. No, I agreed, and we've got our own thoughts that are, again, quite similar to each other when it comes to that Champions League draw, and that's something we'll cover and we'll tell the audience about towards the end of the show when we talk about what we're going to be doing for the GigPod CL segment. However, before we go, John, I wanted to say what was a massive thing that I really got a lot of enjoyment out of yesterday, and it was the fact that, now we went in 4 nil up at half-time, and me and you are texting each other saying we really hope the team don't take the foot off the gas. How often do you see it before? Like you saw, not just the Celtic teams in general, look at Liverpool when they went 4 nil up at Old Trafford. They scored an early fifth, and then they just... That was it. They sat in and just saw the game out. Like, you want to see teams go hell and leather for like 90 minutes. So, we were saying to each other, don't let this be uh, Brendan against St. Johnston, remember? 2018, 5 0 up at half time. And then we just sat in before we scored a sixth in like 90 minutes with Callum McGregor. Rangers as well, 2018, when we were 3 0 up at half time and 5 0 up in like 55 minutes. It could have honestly been like 8 or 9 that day. Can you imagine, John, like, Angie's team, if they were like 5-0 up with 60 minutes going against Rangers, they still treating it like 0-0. I think when you actually start taking the foot off the gas, you show a level of disrespect and you start patronising other teams. And I think if you're a footballer and another team is like so far ahead of you and they're just doing that thing where they're playing within themselves and you start feeling like as if you're getting condescended, that's what I'd feel like anyway. You would rather a team still were given 100% and Dundee United players obviously would have hated that but at the same time I generally would rather see us do that to a team than just taking our foot right off it I think we gave Dundee United the respect really by continuing to play our game like we did for the first minute and that was something that was a real joy to see because I hate seeing that so often with Celtic teams when we've been so far ahead you just want to see the goals fly in and then for the next like sort of 40, 45 minutes in a second half, that's it. Game's away, it's done. And you're just essentially paying to enjoy the first half and the second half becomes a bit of a washout. So what were your thoughts there? I agree with you. I mean, it was good to see us keep going. I mean, we scored at the very start of the second half. So 
that's what I put paid to is sort of taking the foot off the pedal. I mean, okay, there was like a 15, 20 minute spell where we were just sort of passing the ball about, but we still were putting those right under pressure. But no, I mean, it was good to see us keep going and you could tell that the players were desperate for that 10th goal. I mean, McGregor was annoyed when he had that one just past the post and tumbled that header that just spun away for the line. So the players were obviously wanting to score more goals and does say we never stop. And I think it's more than a cliche now that you put in t-shirts. I think it's the actual truth that the team will keep going. I mean, obviously at times they will get tired, but that's why I think he makes so many subs in about the 60, 65 minute mark. He likes to change it up in case the team are getting tired or after games won like it was the other day, like it was yesterday. But no, it is good to see that we did give them respect by keep going. I mean, that we wouldn't have, if we just passed the ball about a rain half for like 30 minutes, that would have been arrogant, I think. That would have been more arrogant than trying to score more goals, weirdly, if you know what I mean. This Celtic team, I think, I mean, I've seen, I've seen people writing predictions at the start of the season. A lot of people were saying, like, we, could, we can score double figures. And I thought, no, no way. I, I can't see that. I mean, no team will, will be that daft to give Celtic the freedom and space. Or Celtic will just destroy our team so much that we can score 10 goals. But I wouldn't be surprised now if Celtic do score 10 goals this season. We look capable of doing it. And if we catch, catch a team on a good day when we take our chances and they're playing poorly, we could score 10 goals, which would be really amazing. I mean, we've, we've not done it, I don't think, in the league before. That was our biggest ever away win yesterday. I think we're most we're most have scored in the league, I think, since like the 1890s. is nine against Aberdeen. So you never know, this team could score 10. So I think we should watch this space just to see how many goals Celtic score this season. I mean, we've got 21 goals in five games. That's like an average of more than four a game. And... We could easily score more than 100 goals this season. In fact, I'll be surprised if we don't. And look, look at that yesterday. We didn't even have Gigi. He was ill. He he missed the game. If he did come on in the second half, he did a field day. He could have got another. He could have got a hat-trick. But I definitely think that we could score 10 goals this season. So that's one of my gig poor predictions for the season, folks. Agreed. Said yesterday to Hamish on the channel as well. I wish Gigi was playing because can you imagine Kyoko coming off and him coming on? Like Dundee United players would have just been greeting at that point because GG would have been desperate to score a little hat trick and get in amongst the goal. I'm so gutted he wasn't playing, but hopefully the big man is fit and ready to go for the Rangers game on Saturday. I'd certainly be resting him against Ross County. Um, I definitely wouldn't be playing GG unless it was to bring him on as a sub to maybe get fit after what he missed at the weekend because he'll be a big player if he's fit against Rangers, especially with how they set up and try and contain teams uh, and generally try and suffocate us like they've done in the last couple of games. Hopefully, John, your prediction of Celtic netting 10 comes true on Saturday. That would be class. Highly doubtful, but it would be some timing. <laughs> We're going to be heading off now. We will be doing a preview. We'll do a Rangers preview. I know that we said we've tried to do a couple before and time's got away phase, but it's going to be a huge game and myself and John, we'll talk about that on Friday, I'd imagine, eh, John, before the game on Saturday and we'll put something out probably late on Friday night. We're going to have a GigPod Champions League segment as well. We're going to preview and review as many of our games as possible, as much as time allows. And if myself and John can't do it, we can get in Spunk Phone and we'll aim to get in Becca to talk about them as well. So there's going to be four members of GigPod chatting about us in Europe. Now, John, before you get to do your outro did you see who has won the instagram music poll it was such a tight one but with 45 percent, there was one winner and i'm now going to have to 
carefully edit this tune. So guess what one it was? What was it? Tell us. So Nine Inch Nails, Closer, that wonderful family ballad, John. 11%. Disgraceful, because that's what I would have voted for. Downward Spiral, absolutely fantastic album, by the way. That is a great album. I've got that as well. Uh, Jay-Z, 99 Problems, 45%. And he won ahead of Nina, 99 Lift Balloons. Lift Not balloons. Red Balloons, Lift Balloons, yes. 44%. <laughs> so well done, Sean, Corey, Jay-Z, Carter. You are going to be featured on Gigpod, and I know that the guys won umpteen awards in his illustrious career, but John being featured on Gigpod surely is the undisputed highlight. Take it away. Well, I do quite like GZ, but uh, I definitely would have picked Nine Inch Nails. I mean, okay, that's a a nice, happy-go-lucky song, closer to a, a, a nice ballad, I'd say. But uh, no, Downward Spiral, fantastic album. That's a, that's a Gigpod recommendation because we both like that album. So uh, thanks to Stevie and thanks to all the listeners. As usual, you know where to find us by now on all the usual podcast platforms. Give us five stars, leave us good reviews, tell us how great we are. We'll be back with a preview of the Rangers game on Friday. We'll probably discuss a wee bit the Ross County game as well, I'd imagine, just to see what happens there, because I'm sure there'll be... I'm sure it'll be an interesting game, but if we play as well as we can, I'm sure we'll win. We'll probably make a lot of changes as well, so look out for that. And we'll be back on Friday with our Glasgow Derby preview. Then we'll be back on Sunday, hopefully with some interesting audio from after the game. So there's a tease for the listeners for next Sunday when we do the post-Derby podcast, so watch out for that. So there's something for, for everybody to listen for. So... Speak to everybody soon. Thanks, Abdul, for listening and hail, hail. You crazy for this one, Rick? Sports Social Podcast Network.